Welcome to another episode of the Access Vikings podcast, the place where we're going to talk about the buyers and the NFL trade deadline. The Vikings, buyers at 6-1, and one, trading for TJ Hawkinson from the Detroit Lions, a pretty huge move that uh, signifies that they think they can contend in an NFC that seems pretty pretty wide open. Um, I'm joined by Mike Rand of the Star Tribune. Ben Gessling will join us soon to talk about all the details of that trade. We'll preview Sunday's game against Washington. Um and kind of where the Vikings go from here. And, and Mike, we talked on the podcast about how there's certain positions they could maybe acquire talent at, wide receiver, tight end. Um, this seemed to be a move that was kind of under the radar. I don't think many people thought Detroit would be sellers, at least with this piece, a former top 10 pick out of Iowa. Um, but they end up moving him, and the Vikings basically just trade back from a, a second rounder to a fourth rounder one year, and then a third to a fourth another year, right? And that and, and really, on the books, financially, we'll get more from Ben on this, but it works out pretty well for them. So this was a trade that seems like, hey, Quasey kind of got a, a diamond in the rough here. Um, yeah, it checked a lot of boxes, right? Because we've talked plenty of times about how they didn't have a whole lot of cap space. So in order to you know bring in a more a higher-priced veteran, they're going to have to do something with somebody's contract, maybe Brian O'Neill, somebody like that. So you, you get yourself kind of out of that with, with this move. You upgraded a position where, you know, again, we talked about wide receiver, tight end, something like that, somewhere to give them an additional playmaker, someone who could, you know, come in and, and make the offense more dynamic in that way. What I'm fascinated by is would they have made this same move if Irv Smith Jr. had not been injured? Would they have said, would this upgrade have been as urgent? Because I feel like they weren't, they were underperforming at tight end, but they were okay, right? Like they didn't, they weren't, you know, they seemed a little thin, but as long as, as Smith and Munt were playing, they were, they were getting through, but is this something they would have done even without the Irv Smith Jr. injury is an interesting question. It's, it's moot now because he went on IR, so we, we will never know necessarily what, what their thought process was leading up to it, but you have to imagine they were at least thinking about different upgrades, ways they could facilitate a, facilitate a trade. This one just made a lot of sense. Like it, it, filled a, in a, it filled an obvious need after the Smith injury. Even before the injury, it felt like a position where they could get better. Hawkinson, Hawkinson's got a lot of, you know, Yards after the catch this year, he's just more of a dynamic, you know, receiving threat than they certainly have after Smith's injury, and it's kind of has kind of had the career they hoped Irv Smith Jr. would have. Yeah, Smith suffered a high ankle sprain at the end of that game against um, who did they just play? The Cardinals, yeah. and that was a, really just an unfortunate circumstance for him, where Alexander Madison goes to throw a block, kind of gets olayed, and goes in right into Irv's back of his legs and lands on him. And Irv is on IR, out a minimum of four weeks, could miss the entire season with the nature of that injury. And, and I think you're right. Like, they probably should have looked to make this move regardless because of the way that they were trying to piece together those skill sets at tight end in a way that Irv just – Kevin O'Connell said before the injury, Irv was getting more comfortable in the offense. And you could tell that they just weren't really using him as a full-time player. And they felt Johnny Munt was the more complete player, a more solid blocker, at that, at that spot, and they kept starting him, but he's not a dynamic receiver in no way that TJ Hawkinson is. This gives them another element of that offense that we almost thought Irv was going to bring them yeah. in terms of that dynamic down-the-field, tackle-breaking tight end. We just didn't see that from Irv. So I guess my opinion, I don't know what they think, We and it's not clear if we're going to hear from Kwesi Adolfo Mensa at all about this trade, but I would love to know their honest opinion on that because I have to think they got to look at Irv and thought – you know, he's not under contract next year. Johnny Munt's the only tight end under contract next year for us. Now they get TJ Hawkinson, who's under contract for two more years with Johnny Munt. 
that's much more of a dynamic pairing for this offense and for Kevin. Yeah, it is, and it's just you know you just look at the body of work. He had what sixty seven catches a couple of years ago, sixty one last year before he got hurt. He has an eighty one yard catch this year, a fifty eight yard catch. I mean, those aren't numbers you usually see from a tight end, and some of those are you know kind of one offs. You don't you're not always going to get that from your tight end, but if you can get a guy like. Johnny Munt, if he catches a ball in the flat, it's going to be a four or five yard gain, right? Like that's kind of the extent of his, you know, he's, he's kind of a decoy. He's kind of like a, a surprise target on the goal line like he was the other day against Arizona where he caught that touchdown pass. Hawkinson's a, a threat to, on the short to intermediate routes pretty much every, every time he's on the field. I don't think he's a great blocker, but he's not, you know, he's not necessarily a liability in that area. So you can play him every down, things like that. Or you can play him more than you were playing Irv Smith and just kind of get, get the whole package in there. It doesn't, when you, when you, when you've got Hawkinson in the field, it's not a giveaway as to what, what it's going to be, or you're not, you're not, you know, trying to make the other team think you're doing something, but then giving away something either in the passing game or the running game. He's more, he's more complete. So it just, it feels like a, a big, a big addition for them and you know, how quickly he can get integrated into the offense, what he does to, relieve maybe some of the pressure off of the receiving core things like that that'll be interesting to see uh, as, the, as the year goes on it will and and to see how quickly he can kind of pick up the playbook and get involved um, we'll have to see the learning learning process for that because for tight ends it can be more involved than just plugging in a receiver or a pass rusher like we've seen in some of these trades in the nfl where guys make immediate impacts or christian mccaffrey in san francisco where he makes an immediate impact I do wonder what that acclimation process will be like for him, but the Vikings built such a lead in the division that it might not matter. He might get the whole month to just kind of work his way in slowly and, and really when it matters then in December and January, be ready to, to be a full-time player and a big impact player for them because the Packers did nothing, No, which was remarkable to see that you have um, certain pieces like Brandon Cooks not getting moved um, and other teams like the Bears trading for Chase Claypool and the Vikings uh, trading within the division. We've heard Quasey and, and uh, Brad Holmes, the Lions GM, talk about how, you know, we don't really believe in this old, archaic, don't trade within your division yeah. kind of thing. And we saw that with the Jamison Williams first round trade in the draft. They make this deal here. They traded with the Packers in the draft, too. Yeah, so so Quasey's really not afraid to, you know, whether it was for a backup quarterback, too, and, and Nick Mullins or a punt returner and Jalen Rager. Uh, kind of try to aggressively fill some of these holes, and really, in terms of draft capital, didn't seem to give up a whole. No, spot. he didn't. I mean, obviously, they'll, they'll it'll be felt in future drafts. A second round pick is not nothing, but they at least got a they recouped a pick from that draft. And if it's from the Lions, if history holds, those will be high fourth round picks. Uh, you would imagine, although you know, you never know. The Lions could turn it around at some point here, but certainly the 2023 pick looks like it'll be a high. A high draft pick in the fourth round, so not not a whole lot lost there necessarily in, in exchange for like a low third round pick. Were you surprised to see the the two teams that make moves? I mean, obviously we thought the Vikings might make a move, but to see the Bears do it and Green Bay not, I was. Well, the Bears, like I couldn't figure out what they were doing because they what they traded away Roquan Smith, right? And they yeah. they got rid of like they they subtracted and they added. I mean, maybe it's an indicator of wanting to give Justin Fields more targets, wanting to give him a chance to be more dynamic in the offense and get see see how he progresses. But you know, I've read that like you know Green Bay looked like it was the favorite to get Chase Claypool and that Chicago kind of snuck in there last minute and, and maybe made a slightly better offer than Green Bay. So if that's the case, that's got to hurt especially bad for Green Bay because and it's not like Chase Claypool is this you know all-pro or anything, but he's, he's had 800 yards the last couple of years. Like He's still relatively young. He's a first-round talent. Like That's somebody who could have helped – Helped helped a team that's struggling on offense, and just you saw their struggles against Buffalo until late. They didn't get anything going in that game. They've had a hard time getting anything going anywhere. If all it costs you is you know a second round pick, 
Like at a certain point, Aaron Rodgers got to be throwing his hands up. Like, what are we? That's like he said the other day. What are we doing here? What are we doing here? What's going on here? What is going on here? Because the Bears end up giving up, from what I read, too, their own second-round pick, yes. which yes. is going to be a high one, obviously, in the draft, not the Ravens' pick that they acquired for Robert Quinn. So that was an aggressive move by Chicago to say, basically, maybe we believe Justin Fields is that much closer to being our guy. Let's try to facilitate this development by getting him a good piece that they really didn't have in a wide receiver core for him. And the Vikings, meanwhile, add really to the only hole that they had on the starting lineup on offense. And with the way that the two offensive tackles are playing, Dalvin Cook, the wide receiving core, this is a pretty complete offense right now. It is. I think the one question we still have is now that they've been hit a little bit, you're not going to be able to go out and plug in all the time and just replace Irv Smith with somebody even better. I don't know what they're going to do if Dalvin Tomlinson's out for a while. That's going to be someone that they've got to account for. Like As their depth starts to get a little bit more tested as the year goes on, uh, they're gonna need to rely on their backups, not uh, not Quasi pulling a rabbit out of the hat because that won't be they won't be able to do that every single time. The trade deadline is gone. Yes, the trade deadline's gone. The most of the cap space there's there's not much cap space. You can't you're not just gonna find magic. So that's still the one concern you have about this team. In addition to you know winning ugly is is how will the depth hold up when it, when these inevitable injuries come up? They've been pretty charmed through the first six games and then again in this last one they lose Tomlinson and Irv Smith Jr. and again they immediately replace Irv Smith Jr. with somebody who ostensibly is better than Irv Smith that's not always going to be the case how do they facilitate that as they they inevitably get more injuries yeah Dalvin Tomlinson the standout defensive tackle is dealing with a calf injury right now that could have him missing Sunday's game at Washington Jonathan Bullard might come back from an illness that kept him out of last week's game presumably would be the starter there opposite Harrison Phillips on the interior line. Bullard has been pretty good, but not to the level of Dalvin Tomlinson. That, you're losing one of the key players there in the middle, and, and somebody's really giving you some pass rush in the middle that they hadn't had before. Yeah, and if we're talking about a big guy like Tomlinson, a calf injury is not something you want because that's going to affect, even if he's able to play, I don't know when he's going to be able to get to 100%. Yeah, yeah, I think he's listed at like 325 pounds. So. Yeah, <laughs> a, couple, a couple of me's. A couple of me's is what he is. Um, but maybe they don't need him against the Washington Commanders on Sunday. They face old friend Taylor Heineke, who has yes. been doing pretty well. Washington has won three straight, two of them with Taylor Heineke under center. They beat Indianapolis last week thanks to a game-winning drive by Taylor Heineke. That's coming off a win at Lambeau Field that helped dig, uh, throw some more dirt on the grave of the Packers this season. Um, this Washington team is talented on offense, but they just don't typically put it all together. They give up a lot of pressure on the offensive line, and that kind of um, undercuts the talent they've got at Terry McLaurin at wide receiver, Antonio Gibson at running back, Brian Robinson, the rookie at running back, um, Curtis Samuel, who's come back and been a really dynamic threat for them out of the backfield as well, kind of a shifty slot receiver. So when they get the ball out, they can make things happen. But the problem is quarterback and offensive line for them and after what we just saw from Zadarius Smith, the NFC Defensive Player of the Week, I feel like he could have another big game on Sunday. Yeah, and I like the way they're deploying him. I can't remember who wrote about him after that. I think it was Ben, his second-day story, um, just about how he's lining up all over the field. I don't feel like that's something they did a ton in the previous regime. I feel like Zimmer usually would line a guy up at his spot and just like have him have him go, and that's that's fine. That That works in a lot of cases, but their philosophy now seems to be uh, what was the uh, well? I was the quote from uh, from the former Packers assistant who had worked with Smith before, Mike Mike Smith, right? Yeah, Mike Smith is the edge rusher coach. I'm gonna put my good on your bad. And that's you know that it seems simple, but like why wouldn't you always do that unless it's you know unless some guys just aren't comfortable with it if they're not comfortable like moving around the field if they kind of have their 
kind of the moves they like to use or the, the way they play at a certain spot. But yeah, they, they could, he, Zaria Smith has been very good. He could, you know, he's been banged up a little. I, I'll still worry about, you know, him coming out of the game, coming, you know, having to, having to manage whatever that knee situation is. But when he's, he's been on the field for a lot, when he's been out there, he's been very productive. If he can stay healthy, like he has been so far, yeah, he could, he could have a big factor in this game. Yeah. His health is obviously huge and he's been dealing with a left knee contusion that he picked up uh, end of the week three game against the Lions, and he was on the injury report for a couple weeks, but ended up getting off of it after the bye week and felt great until he re-aggravated that against the Cardinals. So his practice participation this week and how much he's going to be able to play will um, certainly be something to watch. I do wonder if this Washington team is one where, can they finally run away with a game? Can, can they finally blow somebody out? You know, everyone has been this one win or one score win, uh, finding ways. I was talking to CJ Ham after the game, and uh, he doesn't play a whole lot on offense these days, but he said, I still am sweating these out because we're getting to the end, and, and at least the difference is this year we are finding ways to close these games out. But boy, I would love to just blow a team out. And they haven't been able to do it. I don't know if this is the week. I mean, it's a road game. Washington's been playing a lot of close games lately. It seems like they're at least competitive right now. They're back to four and four. They got some momentum. Maybe, maybe this is the week. But you know, maybe that's just not the nature of this team and not the nature of the NFL. I, I, I think they'd love to see that. They'd love to put together a complete game, just a comfortable, like, hey, thirty-one thirteen. That's your final score. And it was, you know, they got a big lead, and it was never closer than ten the rest of the way. Like, I'm sure they would love a game like that. The Cardinals game. Felt like it was trending that way, right? They got a 14-3 lead, and then again, 28-17, and it seemed like at either point they could pull away, and in both of those cases, they just couldn't sustain offense in those moments, let, let, let the Cardinals back into the game in those moments, and so, you know, I don't know. I don't know what the, I don't know what the game plan is this week, but I'm, I would, I'm always expecting it to be close at this point. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we were just talking about Sunday's game at Washington, and now we got Ben here joining us to talk about the TJ Hawkinson trade. Mike and I talked a little bit about just the 10,000-foot view of it, but Ben – I'll say I hope you talked about it by now. I don't, don't need to bury the lead on my <laughs> how, account. Well, no, but you're going to help us understand how they fit him into the salary cap, the machinations of that, and how – No space guy is here. Exactly. To... So how do they go ahead and bring a top-10 draft pick into the fold? Well, okay. So TJ Hawkinson – has he's making like eight figures this year i can't remember what the exact number is well his cap hit would have been that to the lions the way this ends up working he had a signing bonus of i think 12 and a half million dollars from when he signed his rookie deal with the lions that money stays with the lions as does the money from the roster bonus i believe that he had this year, which was like $2.5 million. So all the Vikings have to pick up is a $965,000 base salary, but it's not even that much. It's the prorated portion of what is left. So it ends up being like a half million dollars that they have to add to their cap this year. He has a fifth-year option, which is on their books for next year because that the Lions already picked that up. So that's guaranteed. He will have that. They'll figure that out later, but... The reason they were able to squeeze this in is the cost to them. This is similar to the Sam Bradford thing because when Bradford, they made the trade for him in 2016, Bradford had, I think, a bonus that stayed with the Eagles, and that was how they were able to get that done too. So, yes, these types of things, you find the right guy and you can work it out. But, yeah, it's uh, anything more than that would have required a little bit more shuffling around to get things to happen. We'll see today when it sounds like Quasi Adolfo Mensa is going to talk to us a little bit later today. We'll see if they 
have to do anything or if they envision doing anything. But yeah, that's how they were able to make this particular move work. And I read out of out of Houston that the reason why the Texans had trouble moving Brandon Cooks was the money. Yes. So he had so much guarantee that a team acquiring him would have had to have taken on a lot of. Yes, I, I it these contracts end up going different ways depending on how they're structured. If guys have really when you make a trade, the only thing that moves is the base salary unless there's some negotiation between the team of hey can you pick up part of this or whatever that can happen and maybe the the Texans weren't able to come up with the arrangement of a deal to make that happen for Brandon Cooks depending on wherever he may have gone if it was the Packers like a lot of people thought the Packers don't have a ton of cap space either they have a little more than the Vikings but not enough probably to take on a big chunk of that signing bonuses are different signing bonuses stay with the team that made the deal and I think that something like this happened with Anik Ngakwe when he got traded to the the Vikings as well I think the the Jaguars maybe just did a new contract with him in a way that made the cap work out better maybe it, it might have been a signing bonus they'd done something a, a signing bonus conversion or something so that some of that money stayed in Jacksonville but signing bonuses stay with the team that signed the contract so that tends to be a way that you can maneuver some of these things well that's why chase claypool might have, might have made more sense for the packers even yes. though they don't really get him because he's rookie still on contract. that contract yes okay, so that makes sense why they could potentially get him but not Cook. Yeah, the cap is not a myth the cap is malleable I, I would say that would be the distinction so there are ways to maneuver things uh it's it's accounting i mean all of these are accounting tricks this is why i geek out on this stuff because it's the one place I still use my accounting degree. Do you do you think the fifth year option was a help or a hindrance in the deal? The fact that he already had that picked up. I would. That's interesting because they they have cap issues next year. But I mean, to me, if you get a guy, if you get a year basically to evaluate the guy, and you get him in here at nine million dollars, and if he's a, a high level tight end, I I don't think it's a hindrance. I mean, I, I think you take reasonably priced years of control however you can get them because they haven't had a lot of those they have a lot of guys in their 30s a lot of guys in second and third contracts I don't think it's a bad thing uh you have some things to figure out but I don't think it's a bad well and that that fifth year option is what nine million or something like that so if you effectively look at it it's two year nine and a half million like that's pretty good right for for and, for and it's high level tight end one and a half year not two years yeah and some people i've seen some people say hey this is young kyle rudolph well i think he's better than young kyle rudolph i mean the yards per catch is is a lot better i think vikings fans do something with kyle rudolph where they elevate him a little bit and i'm like i mean he was a great red zone target pro bowler he was effective early in his he career he got like 80 passes one year too didn't yeah but that was the yeah, flip that was like one year that was the flip yeah. year where yeah. they just kept throwing a thousand times a game right and i mean i just i, I think Diggs had like 100 catches Hawkinson, that year too. I, I don't want to overinflate him, but you watch him in Detroit, and he's uh, you know hit or miss run blocker, but he can he's a very dynamic uh, receiving threat in a way that we have not seen the Vikings have at that position in some time. He leads all NFL tight ends in yards after the catch, I believe. Um, I've been noodling around on Sports Info Solutions a little bit this month, and they had a stat that I was able to slice and dice, and it looks like yeah, he he's. Uh, Run after the catch, ability to break tackles, especially yards after contact, is awfully high. So that is a different element than we've seen with a tight end here in a while. And I, what do you think that can do for O'Connell's offense? Just when you see already being set at wide receiver that the way that they seem to be, certainly at running back, um, to add that kind of threat, 
uh, that could help draw attention away from Justin Jefferson. It could help set up more ma um, favorable matchups for other guys or vice versa. Jefferson could help set up Hawkinson. I mean, they've got so many playmakers now at, I was saying to Mike, it's like, this seems like a complete offense, certainly when it comes to the skill set, skill position. Well, we've been talking for a couple of weeks because I've been sitting here saying we need, they need another receiver to add to the offense. And every time I've said that, you've kind of gone, no, they need a tight end. They need a pass-catching tight end. And obviously, they were listening. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Uh, that was all me. You, you know, you're welcome. <laughs> yeah, thanks, guys. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that has been a fairly – and we haven't been the only ones saying that. That's been a fairly obvious need that they needed another piece for the offense, especially when Jefferson's getting as much attention as he's gotten. I think this is – I thought they would do something with a tight end. This, to me – was a better move than I expected they'd be able to make. Do you, Andrew and I talked about this already. Do you think they do this if Irv Smith isn't on IR? That is an excellent question. They are going to say that it was a result of that. I don't know that that's the case. Because the way, I mean, look at the snaps from Sunday. Johnny Munt was out snapping Irv Smith for much of that game, even before Irv got hurt. Because Irv got hurt late in that game. Johnny Munt, the first two drives, the only time Irv Smith was on the field was in, when they had two tight ends. Anytime they were in 21 personnel, 11 personnel, it was Johnny Munt. So Irv was very much the second tight end at the beginning of that game. And I tend to think they felt like there was a need. I, I'll be curious how they answered that question. But I would be a little skeptical if it's just painted as, oh, Irv got hurt. We needed to replace him. Um, I don't know that that's the case. My uh, my favorite, I don't want to call people liars, but my favorite uh, twisting of the truth that goes on around the trade deadline days, all these GMs saying, we would have made this trade regardless of our record. Like, no, no, you wouldn't. You would not. I'm sorry, George Payton, you would not have dealt Bradley Chubb if you were 6-1 and one versus 2-5. and five. Uh, Brad Holmes said we would have dealt Hawkinson if we were 6-1 and one as opposed to 1-6. and six. No, they wouldn't. Have. No, you wouldn't. Like, no, you wouldn't have. Like, come on. There's a reason why people are buyers, a reason people are the Vikings probably don't get him if they're six and one. If they're three and four, why would you? Your need changes based on your record. It just does. Yeah. You know. Yeah. This is all because of Irv, and it's like, well, no, you really probably wanted a, a better player there and one that you had under contract longer. I mean, that part of it is worth noticing too, because Irv Smith is a free agent after this year, and if you felt like Irv's our guy for the long term, and the injuries make it hard to say that, but if you felt like this is our guy, you're probably not going to get somebody who is signed for 2023 as part of the deal. I mean, you know, if you do, great, I suppose, but I can't help but think that was a priority given the fact that Smith is going to be a free agent, and they're probably saying we need to have a, a – like you said, a more complete option, a more complete tight end at that spot. Yeah, and this is a guy that will play all three downs whenever he can get up to speed and comfortable in this offense um, to to play all three downs for them. Maybe it's not right away here in Washington, but they've also built up enough a lead in the division where they don't need him right away, <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. like you, you should be able to beat the Commanders with Johnny Munt. Yes. You know, you, you really shouldn't have to, to have with one month tied behind their back. <laughs> they just need a month, just one month. Um, that might be all they need against Taylor Heineke and the Washington Commanders. Old friend, Taylor Heineke. He's got two working ankles. He's out there throwing throwing darts, leading touchdown drives. Slicing and dicing. No glass door. Not slicing and dicing tendons, which is good. <laughs> Kicking down the, not the glass ceiling, but the glass door. Yes. <laughs> Stadium might fall apart, but if there's a door that needs to be kicked down, 
that's your guy. He does remind me though of, and he always talked about one of his favorite players growing up was Brett Favre. He reminds me of a young, a young Brett Favre out there though, because he makes some really bad decisions, uh, but he also can make some incredible plays. Trying to make a play. <laughs> haven't had a Favre for a while. No, no I know. Really haven't. Not since I the, mean, not since the scandal. He's had a. He's had some. He's had a, He's had some stuff. Some other things to worry about lately. Happen. Yeah, that's true. Got some stuff going on. Just some stuff. Um, but with Sunday's game, quick, we got to go to open locker room here in a couple minutes. But with Sunday's game coming up, um, I was we were just discussing too. Like, is this the one where they finally have a complete game and a, and a blowout win? Where they? It sounded like a Friends episode title. Were they the one where? The one where they finally have a complete game. Is this going to be it? Is this going to be one where they actually, you know, don't make you sweat until the final seconds of beating a mediocre? Um, it should be, but we've said that a few times. Um, <laughs> really I'm going to say no. I think it'll still be closer than it should be. I think they win by, you know, maybe nine. It'll be like a miss. Nine, extra point that'd be a there. blowout compared to their last I mean, Nine five. would be the biggest of the year. Since the Packers game. Yeah. Yes, yes, in the streak. Biggest of the streak, yeah. Greg Joseph makes an extra point. They win by nine against the yeah, Cardinals, that's true. right? Yeah, so that's true. At least they, they would have, were in position to win by two scores this time around. That would have been too easy. All right, we just got back from hearing Quasi Adolfo Mensa, and Kevin O'Connell and new tight end TJ Hawkinson address reporters. We did the first half of this podcast before all this availability. So now we have new podcast guest Chip Scoggins. And now we're joined now we're joined by Chip Scoggins as well of the Star Tribune. We're gonna roll through every Star Tribune employee and get their thoughts. Suhan's still here too. On the TJ Hawkins. Mark's still here. <laughs> How many reporters do we have here today? We had like six. Six. I think it might have been six. We rolled deep. Really rolled deep. Tribune. So if you want every angle covered of this, please go to StarTribune.com or just listen to this podcast. You're gonna need to subscribe because you're gonna hit your paywall by the time you get a third way through this <laughs> real journalism costs money we know it's inconvenient but just pay and you'll get all this stuff and you get the best coverage you got to spend a little money that is our sales pitch chip i got to get your thoughts on this trade you're obviously writing a column for tomorrow's paper on this what did you think when you saw this move yeah this is not reek of uh competitive rebuild to me and quasi uh did not mention that today and there's been nothing about this season that resembles a rebuild. And I applaud them for this move. I asked Quasi about today is, is when you're at the deadline, do you look at your record, look at what's happening around you in the division, in the NFC, and does that help, you know, compel you to say, hey, let's make some moves to – and he said, yeah, you factor in everything. Um, but I think they clearly looked at this and said, one, we need a need. Um, and two, why not go for it? Because this thing is wide open, and we're in a spot. I think if you gave them true serum, not many of them in this building would, would think six and one probably. In terms with, of where they were at the beginning of the season? At the beginning yeah. of the season. Yes. With the Packers in disarray. And yes. With, uh, would they guess that they have the second-best record in the NFC to start off after seven weeks? So I think they looked at it and said, hey, let's let's make a, a move here to improve this team well, in the short term. And, and they can keep an eye on the future. Yeah. And, and, you know, the compensation, once you look at it, was not that significant. I mean, okay, you gave up a two for a four. Yeah. That's not that much to get a Pro Bowl tight end. It did not require them to really make a big philosophical departure from what they've been doing. Because he's, you know, he said that you, in the <laughs> semi-famous, more famous around here than it was nationally, USA Today interview – he said you never want to go full Rams. This is not going full Rams, scare quotes, 
uh, in the sense that they gave away a ton of picks. He's not going to be wearing a shirt that says F them picks. <laughs> they didn't give away that much, yeah. really, in terms of what the future holds. And, he, and you got a tight end for next year at $9 million that's in the prime of his career that's probably a more complete player than anybody you have on the roster. It does, I think, reflect a willingness from teams to move on from players they drafted maybe a little sooner. We've seen a little bit more of that, and certainly more than we've seen with previous GMs. The previous one here comes to mind in terms of how long he would hold under draft picks, but that part was interesting I, to me. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious. I would love to know, like, what was Detroit's thinking? Yeah. Because you have a yeah. guy who's 25, who's a good player, productive. You would think those are exactly the type of players you want to hang on to if you're building something. Yeah, unless you feel like by the time we have the quarterback that we want, we I mean, they'll have cap space. I, I would I would think, yeah, why would you not keep a player like that? But maybe you're thinking we're far enough away that spending top dollar for a tight end, is a spot that's not really going to put us over the top, maybe doesn't make a ton of sense. But for a team that's where the Vikings are, if it's a missing piece, then maybe it makes more sense. And, and with Quasey, I'm trying to figure out what he was saying when the ask with the timing of this relative to Irv Smith's injury. He said they didn't know the extent of the injury, but I had to think. Let's say Irv Smith is healthy. Do yeah. they make this deal? We were talking about that before. I, I, I think he wasn't going to answer that question. I think straight. they do. I think I don't think. I think they knew this was a need before Irv Smith got hurt. I because the time was yeah, there enough time this from that to know. Okay, this is going to be a long term thing with Irv, and now oh, let's get on the phone and try to find a time. I, I don't think the timing works if you if you look at it that yeah, way. Yeah, how did he answer? I mean, because he got asked, was this already in the works? He said, Irv wasn't got down hurt. the road is what he said. So they'd already, but they'd already probably identified okay. it as this is a how possibility. long was the road? Were you a little? Were you on the road or were you down the road? I think there was. I think they saw this. When did the league. car get pulled out of the garage? Because let's be honest. Before Sunday, I think yeah, it probably did. Irv was not a big part of this offense. Yeah, he just I was agree. not producing in the way we thought he was, and so Johnny Munt was out snapping him on Sunday. Yes. when he was still healthy, and so I think they said, okay. And Quasi said, you know, this is not a reflection of a weakness on our team. Um, I'm not completely buying that, but um, but I but you know what, Ben, I think. The thing I, I think I look at is um, they could have just stayed pat. Yep. And that would have been a safe play to do. You're 6-1. You're and one. You know, your offense hasn't performed to the level that you want it to. And, you, you know, you might say, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll improve eternally, yep. organically. Yep. We'll just, you know, get more time. But they're willing to say, you know what, that's not good enough. That's not a good yeah. enough answer. Like it can be better, and let's go upgrade the, the roster. Yeah, I mean, the, I don't. I agree with you. I don't think they would have said at the beginning of the season if you injected with the, injected them with truth serum, like you say that. Yeah, we expect to be six and one. I mean, they're almost sort of. They talked about being super competitive, as Mark both put it, but they almost seem like they're kind of like the accidental contenders in terms of at least being this good. Yeah. I don't know that anybody would have thought that this was likely, but yes, but how I many did. Times you start, how many teams start six and one? It, yeah, it just doesn't happen. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you just can't count on a six and one right. start every right. year. Yeah, you're you're not sitting there to to use economic terms. You're not in the in the forty to sixty percent range of the outcomes. Yeah. Like this is this is reasonable to expect. That's not in there. That's the pie in the sky outcome and so I, I give yeah, him credit go yeah, for it that's the thing i give him credit for going for it and 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 also recognizing that 
the offense is not where it, they want it to be. Yeah. Even with Jefferson and Cousins and, and Dalvin, that there's just something missing, right? And and they want to address that without just thinking, okay, the more they're together and yeah. all that, it's going to come together. And, and that might happen. That might have happened without Hawkinson. But we've been hearing that for a while. It's, yeah, at what point do you say it's not going to happen? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a personnel Yeah, thing. I think it becomes at some point a thing of, I mean, you can't, just let it sit there and, and marinate forever and say, well, by December, we're going to be able to magically go out there and everybody's going to be on the same page. There may be spots where you have to say <laughs> the personnel isn't going to get us where we want to go, or at least if we can add something to it, all the better. I I I applaud them for making the move that they did because these opportunities don't come around all that often. I mean, twenty seven. this feels like 2017 in the sense that they – caught a lot of things they caught a lot of teams at the right time it, it's and stacked a lot of wins so take your shot at it there are seasons where and i'm sure you guys have talked about it, we talked about things just kind of line up yep you know good bounces you play a team without a quarterback or they're down to the third team quarterback offensive lines beat up you're not that you haven't been hit hard with injuries so it's like it's lining up but the other thing is they got eight guys on this defense that are age 28 or older. Yes, they do. So we talk so much about windows, and I, I was talking to Harrison Phillips about this today. He's like, this is not, as you brought up the Rams, this is not one of those all-in, one-year things. Um, But there is a window here. Yeah. There is a window with this core group that, you know, Harrison Smith, Eric Kendrick, Pat Peterson – these guys are not going to be Kirk Cousins, Adam Thielen. These guys are not going to be here for six more years. Well, five <laughs> more years. I mean, it's so it's. I, I do give them credit for. I think it's all these things kind of factoring in with Quasi and say, you know what, we're probably a little bit better or ahead of where we thought we were going to be. The division, there's all kinds of chaos with the Packers and and. Uh, clearly, the the Bears and Lions are waving the white flag and, and starting over a true rebuild. Yes. Um, so this is your moment to, you know, maybe host a couple playoff games. Yeah. Well, and and you talk about the age of some of these players. The financial window is also not terribly big at the moment. I mean, you have Cousins signed for one more year with a no trade clause, but. You know, obviously, he could waive that if you needed him to do it. He'll be 35 next August. So you're heading towards that decision. The finality there. Yes. I mean, you're heading towards that decision in the not-too-distant future. Could he play until he's 38? Sure. <clears throat> do you want to keep paying him this type of money to do that? I don't know. Yeah, well, here's the thing. Is that feasible with what Jefferson's going to get? That's the other piece of this, is that Jefferson is going to get paid like a quarterback. I mean, the the wide receiver money right now, he will – I mean, you should assume that's a $30 million a year average. It's going to be 25 at least, right? I think it will be higher than that because you look at where the the wide receiver market has gone and all of these contracts this summer – have really pushed it there. Tyreek Hill's deal right now with the Dolphins is an average of thirty million a year. If I'm Justin Jefferson agent, point. I'm saying yes. Like I'm not signing for less than that because well, he's going to set the younger market. And, gonna, yeah. yeah, he's. I mean, he's twenty three years old. So and and here's the thing: saying no is not an option there. Like no, you have to. No, I mean, that's it. And so I, can can you have the only way you, you could do say that no and, and is make, if you felt like you had a good enough quarterback 
that you you know kind of yeah. like the Chiefs did with Patrick Mahomes and say Correct. we can still win at that level, but they don't, they don't have, have that. that type of a quarterback. There's two or three guys in a league like yes. that. Yes, yes. So that's the thing is like uh, – And Patrick Mahomes is also in his 20s. Exactly, yeah. So, yeah, <laughs> you're right. You can't, you can't say no. So this, so it's, it's like you have two years here, and that's why, you know, maybe we're just stuck on it. Maybe Quasey just came up with that phrase, competitive rebuild. You know, I don't know what – what the genesis of that was, but um, well, it could have been to keep ownership happy and then yeah. kind of keep your window of where you want to do things too. But it's like, I think when we hear rebuild, we think something's broken and you're you're refixing it. I don't think this was broken; it was stuck in mediocrity. Yeah, to me, yeah. broken is the Detroit Lions. Yes, like, yeah, I see what broken. you're saying there. Yes, um, it was not maximized, and it, obviously, what they did with the coaching staff was, I mean, the, the hypothesis was we can get more out of this. Yeah. What we have, and they have so far. Yeah. Um, but yes, they weren't maximizing what everybody felt like was a fairly talented roster yeah. the last couple of years under Mike Zimmer. So it's it's. Uh, I mean, you could tell just being in the locker room today. I mean, when you make a move like this, yeah, it 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 signals something to your locker room yes, too, that you sure trust does. them. That hey, um, they have bigger aspirations than you know just a six and one start. That they they believe in this team. That they're again, it wasn't. The compensation for it wasn't great, but, it, you know, a second-round pick versus a fourth-round pick, I don't think guys care about, you know, the future. No. But they just want to see, hey, we added a good tight end. You yeah. know, a guy yeah. that you talk to the defensive guys who had to go against him, they're really excited. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's it's the type of move that could help make a difference in a playoff game, especially if, I mean, when we have seen this offense hit stretches where things go dry, it's when they don't have an answer. Yeah for teams taking Justin Jefferson away. It is interesting. Uh, O'Connell has brought that up a lot, just the way teams are defending them yeah. differently than they yeah. would. I wonder – I would love to know, like, what that is to the degree that they're – it seems like they're almost caught by surprise by how they're being yeah. defended. Is it something so far out of the box or, or the something – selling they, out to a degree that – Yeah. Um, and it hasn't looked like that. I mean, it's you've seen a lot of double teams. Yeah. But, but it, it's clear – don't you think that they feel like this tight end is going to alleviate some of that? Yeah. yeah, I think so. And I, I think, too, it's like they haven't had other players that are separating from coverage enough to t make teams shift other places. I mean, Irv Smith wasn't doing it. Adam Thielen has made contested catches, but I – he has not gotten himself open to the degree that he I used wonder to. if it, there's something lag going on with him that's he just yeah and, and he's been playing too. through injuries too. yeah I mean yeah. we saw him leave the field the other day yep. um, for a couple plays but yeah it, and so you need a different and this is a tight end that can get down the field yes yeah I mean, he that's, that's, leads the league in yards per reception among tight ends and leads the league in yards after the catch yards after contact I I think he's like third or fourth. So yeah, he's he's certainly been he adds a he adds a lot of the dynamics that I think they were hoping to get from Irv Smith that they haven't gotten and yeah you need somebody else and you know they they haven't had the home run hitter types in a lot of these spots other than Jefferson and that's the thing I mean I give him credit for is like you weren't getting it from Irv Smith you're not going to get it from who else you have in your in your locker room it's just yeah probably not I mean KJ maybe. But no, I'm talking about from the tight end room. Yeah, yeah, I got you. From the tight end room, there's just not that, you know, it's not a 
knock on these guys, but he's a pro bowler. This is yes. a guy, and so um, they went out and said, we're going to address this. Yeah, it's uh, it's certainly a bold move, and uh, we'll, we'll see how it plays. Is that the line from uh, from Dodgeball? <laughs> that's, that's bold move, Cotton. We'll bold. see how it plays. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, and and you you asked Quasey about too is how much is a you know the fifth year option factor into this that they have you know team control there. Yeah, I think it does. I mean, I, I think the fact that you have him at nine and a half million dollars for next year is a bonus to this because Irv Smith's a free agent after the year, and you're they went way out of their way today to say Irv's still part of this, yeah. counting on him, and this is not a reflection of Irv. I would be surprised if Irv is. Back here next yeah, year. it's not a reflection on Irv for this year. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, if you buy that, but yeah, I I don't think they're going to be going to the table. If if I'm Irv Smith, I'm not probably expecting a big offer from the Vikings come uh, February March time frame. So yeah, lots to lots to determine there in the future. They also have to figure out you know Adam Thielen's back at like a 19.9 million dollar cap hit next year. Dalvin Cooks at fourteen one, uh, Daniel Hunter at thirteen one, Eric Hendricks at eleven four. I mean, there's a lot of players that you talk about age, but the contracts also make you say, I mean, Harrison Smith nineteen two. So, I mean, some of these contracts, in addition to the age, Zedaria Smith's at fifteen six, and they would save twelve million dollars if they cut him. And that's where you you re- you look at those numbers and you hear those go now. This, this this roster is going to look different next year. Yes, it, it is. just is. I yep. mean, um, Patrick Peterson it, that's is not, not signed. Sus- that's not sustainable. No, it's not. And and you're think. going to have to make choices next year on either you're going to be asking players to take cuts or you are going to be releasing them. And and, and a lot of these guys, the names I just mentioned, you have a middle linebacker, you have a running back, you have. A safety who will be 34 in February. You have a, a number two wide receiver who will be 33 next year. I mean, you know, these guys are still productive players, but this is the reality of the Yeah, that's not at those prices. They they know it when you get to a certain. Yeah, if you're an older player, and make a lot of money. You're vulnerable to ask either be cut or take a pay cut. And yeah, it, and it just comes down to. Do you want to stay and play at a lesser price, or do you want to roll the dice and try to go elsewhere and get you know the money you think you're 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 worth? Yeah, and some of those guys may say, "Yeah, I'll stay and and play for less." Because you know what? But it's not going to be the same for everybody. No, and because some of those guys, like you know what, I may not get another job somewhere else. At least they know you here. You're comfortable. Yeah. Um, I'll play for less money here. We we've I seen that here. probably. We've seen that a lot. Yeah. I mean, how many pay cuts did Chad Greenway take? Yeah, a lot to stay. I mean, and and guys that are, you know, Greenway, it's. He was regional. I mean, he was close as close to home as he was going to get in the NFL. I could see. But I think it's also a lot of these guys get to a certain point. Once you get past thirty, you're like you're looking around. It's like, am I realistically going to get a job? Yeah. Am I going to be a starter? Am I going to be a backup? And, do I want to move my family? Do I want to move my family? Stuff yeah, plays into it. So, but but it, it speaks to. And, it, and next year may be the rebuild part, but this year is the competitive part. This is the competitive yeah. part. You know. Yeah. Yeah. It's. Uh, I, I think it's you know kudos to them I guess for realizing that and taking their swing. And you know we'll see how it all shakes out when they go to to FedEx Field for the start of this thing on Sunday. But uh, yeah, it should be it never never a dull moment with the Minnesota Vikings. <laughs> what happens when your team six and one that you cover? Yep, yep. It's uh, it's it should be a fun ride the rest of the way, and we will have all of it chronicled for you in the Star Tribune and at StarTribune.com. So make sure you check out all of our work there. Thanks for listening to our. Cast of Thousands podcast. We started with Andrew Kramer and Mike Rand. I jumped in in the middle. Chip jumped in. Andrew had to go off and do an interview. 
multitasking reporters trying to break this thing down from every angle, and we will have all of it broken down for you in the Star Tribune and StarTribune.com. So thanks for listening to Access Vikings, and we will talk to you guys later this week.